This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 19, First Round Strategies, Federation of Soul. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Do you guys like my impression of the Marines from StarCraft? <laughs> That's my impression. That was a really good impression. I was doing an impression, which is legal to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um, and that was the impression, and you just heard it. Mm-hmm. Very good, Hunter. I'm really impressed. Very good, and there's no reason to call Blizzard's lawyers. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hi, I'm well, Matt we've already messed this we've up. We've already messed up. We had a bit, we had a bit, and then we screwed up the bit. I'm yeah, Matt Martin. We messed it up. Hello, I'm Hunter Donaldson. You're, you're listening to Space Gatsby's Turtles. Space Gatsby's Turtles. This week, we're talking about everyone's favorite regular, regular Oh, man, I regular was, was going to do a bit where I was going to be ahead. like, wake up and, what's up, kids? Welcome. Uh, kids. to the morning. Well, hey, uh, uh, hey, man, you got that drive to work. Good today. And I'm the mongoose. <laughs> Stinky and the mongoose. You listen to Stinky and the mongoose in the morning. We're All right, so <laughs> I think we should have this podcast taken away from us for being too stinky mongoose in the morning. Stinky in the mongoose. All right. <laughs> so we're talking about the Federation of Soul, and they have been a weird one for us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I should we've say had for a weird. We've had a weird we've relationship. A- yeah, so I was given Soul, and I was actually really excited about them before TI4 came out, mm-hmm. and played them, very first game that we played, and uh, did, made some mess ups, some yeah. real big mess ups. And that's ups. the big problem too. Is the, the the scariest thing about doing these strategy guides is if we have a bad game with the race that we're trying to talk about, and that bad game is reliant on like straight up just making a mistake that kind of costs you the game. Yeah, it becomes impossible to do a strategy guide on that race. So Hunter yeah, had like, a, what could I recommend? Like yeah. I, well, I messed up and they didn't look so good. Yeah. But and then so so for a long time we kind of just had a bad showing of Soul, and yeah. then we didn't see anybody play them really that well. Right. We had like multiple other games where people were playing them, and every single game they never did anything especially good. Right. But meanwhile, the community at large is playing and submitting their statistics, and lo and behold, Federation of Soul is like the number two race as far as like most wins. So clearly, we were doing something wrong. Yeah. So uh, Hunter went at it again and had another uh, attempt at soul, and we're happy to report things are looking up. I did a lot of theory crafting before and just kind of looked at like what options they would really have instead of like... I think I carried over a lot of weird biases from yeah. TI3 into that first game. Yeah. And then just got surprised that, like, you know, I think we called things wrong mm-hmm. with uh, Soul when we were starting. But um, let, that's a little cart before the horse. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay, so Federation of Soul, um, really, you know, just a real regular race. Um, regular people. There's about 16.84. No, 44. 4.6. I gotta say Do this. not errata our theme. <laughs> Their leadership, their their leader is Juan Salvador Tao, which is an interesting. We're not going to get too socio political here, but they certainly are making an attempt to have 
Um, yeah, some sort every of blended, man. Yeah, some sort of bl- well, I mean, not necessarily an every man, so much as he's just like three, three yeah. different, <laughs> very specific cultures represented there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good for the Federate. We really pulled it off, Earth. Good job. <laughs> Equality has been standardized, and we are all one, one peep kumbaya, my lord. Okay, so their first ability and most important ability is orbital drop. Uh, it is an action, and for this action, you spend one token from your strategy pool to place two infantry from your reinforcements on one planet you control. Their second ability... Which is also their most important ability is... <laughs> which is also their most important <laughs> ability is called Versatile. When you gain command tokens during the status phase, gain one additional command token. So they start with hypermetabolism, and then they can also get hypermetabolism. Right, right. So, well, yeah, they can bump it up right. again. Yeah. Uh, to be getting, like, what, four? That'd be amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's, it's insane. Uh, they start with, they, they get four commodities when they refresh. They have a fun little flagship called the Genesis. At the end of the status phase, summon Sonic the Hedgehog, and he will collect <laughs> no, all the money for... No, What? Oh, sorry. At the end of a status phase, place one infantry from your reinforcements in this system's space area. More of note with their flagship is it has a capacity of... 12. And it hits us two dreadnoughts. Two, it's two not dreadnoughts. A bad two on a five. It's good. Yeah. It's a good little ship. Um, but we'll make an argument later that it's not essential or especially yes. worth your time. Yeah. So we've got their their racial tech is next, and they're both uh unit upgrades. They might are they, they're the only ones that only get racial unit upgrades, yeah. I think. And one of them is an infantry upgrade called Spec Ops 2. Um, it has a feature where after this unit is destroyed, it's the normal. One dies. It's the yeah, normal. it's a, it's the normal one. It's like the gen synthesis. Really, one. the benefit of it is that they start with better ground forces that hit on a seven as opposed to eight, and their upgrade ups that as well. So you can end the game with the best ground forces in the game that hit and on a that six. hit on a six, and you roll a die after they die. Haha. Uh, and if it's a uh, five or greater, which is like a sixty percent chance yep. at that point, they're going to start on your home system um, next turn, basically. Which is really good. That's really good. And uh, their other upgrade is advanced carriers. They start with better carriers, like they start with better better infantry with a capacity of six. This ups the advanced carrier ups it to eight, uh, and they also get sustained damage. And they get a movement of two. Yes, of course. Yeah. So just like significantly that. better carriers to help move your better dudes around, and mm-hmm. you're just a you're just a dude moving train. Yeah, you're. It's mostly dude moving, you know. Big big dude, big dude movers. movers. Big <laughs> big dude movers. Uh, Welcome pro- to Space Cats, dude movers. <laughs> So their promissory note is called military support, and at the start of the soul player's turn, um, you can remove one token from the soul player strategy pool if able, and return it to his reinforcements. Then you may place two infantry from your reinforcements on any planet you control, then return this card to the soul player. So basically, you get to use their ability. It's one of those, um, but it doesn't cost you. It, it's not your action as opposed to soul's ability is their action, which I would argue. The soul version is better than than that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not spending your own strategy token, but a good a good benefit of soul's ability is that you have a free stall whenever right. you need it, and right. that ends up being incredibly useful. It's um, honestly just kind of put it in the back of your mind for now. We're not going to talk about it too much in the episode. No. It's not a hugely yeah. important promissory note, but we will mention it. Let's move on to starting units and their starting tech and their home system. Let's do all that. So uh, the starting tech that they have is Neural Motivator, so they get one extra action card every status phase, and then Anti-Mass Deflectors, which means that they uh, can't, you know, they take a negative one on PDS and then Mm -hmm. also can move through Asteroid Fields and do Asteroid Field stuff. But the most important thing is their starting units. I love their starting units. Mm -hmm. They start with two carriers, 
one destroyer, three fighters, five infantry. That's pretty good. I mean, that's two C five I. Am I right? I. What are we talking about now, <laughs> man? Two C five I. Um, yeah, the and anybody who starts with a destroyer, I get kind of bummed, but whatever. They, I don't care yeah. because it's like you've got the carriers, you've got the infantry, you've also got fighters to spare. Yep. It's a nice start. Um, their home system is called uh, Jord, or their planet is called Jord, and it is a 4-2 planet. It's a one-planet home system, uh, which is fine. Not my favorite, but it's okay. Um, but four four resources is, is nice. Four resources and six is production capacity is even better. Yes. For our dude movers. But but as far as just like a start in the game, theirs is certainly one of the best starts. Yes. Oh, great just starting overall. tech. Yeah. Great starting yeah. tech. Great starting units. Great starting position. They like, start with the tech that they need. Really. Yeah, like they start much. with. Well, I mean, not necessarily the the tech isn't like right away great but like considering you want to go down blue and you want to go down green right yeah so like the the path is really focused on soul it's not confusing like sometimes you know you get like a race that starts with like a racial tech that's like ah, are they really going to go that direction and you have to make that choice you do not have to make that choice with soul everything kind of works neatly together yeah um really great yeah really great start Um, so to to capitalize on that great start hunter if we're using the space cats peace turtles this is something we should kind of establish we Mm -hmm. we keep kind of bringing this up but people have pointed out that we like to talk about starting map position a lot and that is certainly biased off of our approach to building maps because being able to pick a beneficial pie slice um, is possible in our system. So to kind of reiterate it until like our official video on the whole thing comes out, we let you build the galaxy all together and then you pick your position after and we have kind of a pecking order to how you pick your position based on roles, which means it is not that difficult to get a pie slice that is beneficial to your race. So Hunter, what kind of pie slice would you be looking for if you're building it on your own or if you're picking from something that has been built cooperatively? I think the first thing I would look at is I'm going to want a pie slice that has a good side of Mechatol. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean a plant, like in between my home system and Mechatol, there is a planet adjacent to Mechatol yeah. or at least not something that will prevent me from getting there like a gravity rift or a nebula nebula. like you don't want uh really junk in the way it doesn't even actually have to be a planet it could be empty space just as long as you've got a good side to that and a good clear shot to it um the other thing i want to establish is you're gonna want a higher influence pie slice than a lot of people um with the strategy that i'm going to be describing today you're going to be using a lot of command counters uh, they get a little more than everybody else, but they also have a lot of reasons to use command yeah. counters frequently. And so, you're going to require, in most cases, cheaper armies and cheaper units, so you can pref- you can put a preference on influence, influence. over resources. Yeah, I, I think I definitely would. Um, and like the other thing to keep in mind would be there is a likelihood that you might have to establish a second home base. Mm-hmm. Um, you have... You know, a lot of reasons to produce lots and lots of ground forces, and money's not going to be an issue with that, obviously. They're the cheapest unit in the game, but the issue you're going to run into is a production capacity thing. So they're they're probably, I I would basically look at at my home slice and be like, okay, where is an interesting place from this slice that I could establish a second base of operations? And I'm talking like forward base. I'm not talking like I put extra space stocks in the in the neighboring system no i think with soul you're mostly gonna want to uh have forward bases yeah. as i mean it's backwards. very very common 
for Abyss Freya or Baraglurda for the really high value systems, it's really common for players to put those towards Mechatolrex because it means it's not in someone's pie slice. Mm -hmm. So I think as Soul, the point you're kind of making is like, pick the pie slice that has that in it because you, it would be really great if you had Abyss Freya adjacent to Mechatolrex that would be and cool. like on your path to Mechatolrex because that's where you want your second home base to be. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a really nice make or break for you. Mm -hmm. And also, like, not not even just in relationship to Mechatol Rex, possibly if you see a Bizfria at, like, an equidistant place mm -hmm. from you and your neighbor, that might be a good place to be like, hey, I'm taking a Bizfria, yeah. and it could have been either of ours, but I'm also throwing a base down here, and we're going to start producing more ground forces so yes. you're not coming in, basically. Right. So let's talk... Strategy cards! Strategy cards. Um, I have a very kind of specific, weird thing with Federation of Soul. I kind of broke down their start over and over in my head thinking about all of the different things that you could do with them. And what I got to say is in general, Federation of Soul, I don't know if we've ever said this before on the podcast, but I actually feel like they're more of a round two race uh -huh. than a round one race. And the reason you I start with this, 2C, 5I. Yeah, yeah. you have everything you need yes. already, basically, except for the one thing that you must make for sure that you get before the end of round one is gravity drive. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to say that if you are speaker, you should take tech because you will get you will not have to spend a command counter on researching tech. Yep. And also, if you get lucky with diplomacy or trade, you might even research two tech in round one, yep. which is not essential, but helps you get ahead going further. Sure. As I said, all you need is gravity drive. Yes. That's like our only goal. So what I'm going to say is if you... Uh, are not speaker or can't get tech, even if you're like second, mm -hmm. I'm going to recommend that you pick politics. Just because so you I get think, speaker token. I think you want the best pick round two. Yeah. Um, like I, I think that's going to be more important in the long run and it's going to help you score more points yeah. if you have the best pick going into round two because your objectives for round one, I mean, I'm serious. I Like that's all I'm really, is like yeah. I'm, we're going to talk more about round one in general. If you research Gravity Drive round one, you did it. Congrats. Yes. Like, you you nailed what you needed to do. And you almost definitely expanded just fine with yeah. two carriers and right. five you, infantry. You're, you're, you're not blocked by anything this in This isn't front. like Arborek where we have to figure out, like, a complicated way to get past, like, yes. your, your crummy start. Like, you have a good start, and I think it's more beneficial to you to set up for round two mm -hmm. than it is to really like micromanage round yeah, one. Yeah, and to extend yourself too far round one. Yes. Because if you're gonna have a bad round two, it probably sets you back further than having what is going to be a standard round one. Mm -hmm. You can't really have a terrible round one. The only um, the only other st uh, strategy cards I wanna mention, if for some reason you cannot get tech or you cannot get politics, um, Leadership is probably worth mentioning because you could always get ahead on command counters yep. because when the further we get into this episode, like there's going to be a lot of reasons for you to spend command yeah. counters, a lot of it on orbital drop. Um, and the other thing that's probably worth noting with them is if you decided to take warfare, which I'm not explicitly recommending, but if you did, you you could kind of use that to skip gravity drive if that's what you wanted to do. Right. Um, I don't feel like it's as strong of a play because it leaves you less options for where you want to go. You basically have to decide what you're going to do round two on round one. Yep. Whereas getting gravity drive just means that like, well, round two, I'm going to decide to do something yeah. uh, with uh, these carriers and these ground forces. Sure. And the yeah. more important point though yeah. is warfare in your hands, you have the best opportunity to stall warfare yes. out. So if you're looking to hurt the rest of the board, more than you need help yourself. If you look at the board and you say, actually, I know I'm going to be okay round one. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm probably going to be okay round two. 
it's not a bad idea to take Warfare because you can do three actions with your tactical pool stuff and then stall twice. There is almost no one at the board who will be able to do the secondary of Warfare in a way that benefits them. Yeah. You will stall everyone out. So that is just a strategy that's worth bringing up. Again, it's probably not like the best thing that you can do, but there are going to be situations where you look at everything else and go, I think it is actually more worthwhile for me to starve everybody else out than mm-hmm. it is to push myself through and get gravity drive quickly. Mm-hmm. But not not to get too far away from it, well, what I want to say is the SCPT, mm-hmm. Recommended Round 1 Strategy Card, is tech or politics. Yes. That's that's what it is. Yeah. The, those others we're just bringing up is like, you know, because you don't always get... Right. You, sometimes you get your third choice or your fourth choice. Right. Um, the secondaries you're going to want to do mm-hmm. is obviously you have to do tech. If yeah, you do if not you have do. to, you have to do tech. Yeah. Everything we are going to say yeah. in this entire episode is based on the idea that you got gravity drive round one. Yes. Um, and Diplomacy helps. Diplomacy that. helps. So secondary Di- of diplomacy would yeah, be useful. If I, the reason I want to bring up the secondary of diplomacy is if you got tech, uh, you could use the secondary of diplomacy to possibly research two tech, which yep. is not a bad idea. Right. Let's talk about opening moves. Yeah. Um, so you, you've described to me, more than anything, there being two paths for soul and i think it's important to establish those two paths now right. so that we can discuss them throughout the rest of the episode because your opening moves will greatly impact which of those two pathways is the viable one right so when we did the arborec episode there was this term rooting that got brought up yeah. that we started talking about and you know arborec they kind of snowball towards that and it's it's really great but what i realized in thinking about federation of soul is that they can root as well and they root faster yes they they're an early mid-game rooter so um as far as opening moves go if you have tech you could if you wanted to tech first Mm -hmm. and then pick a target that you want to send your carrier at something that's going to be beneficial for you and not good for your um neighbor if you see a system that is we were talking about equidistant um you could do that, mm-hmm. and that would be that would be cool. That would be good. You could also maybe go warfare and try and do something like this as well. But the idea is that you're going to pick a spot, throw more ground forces down on that planet than anyone could get there, yeah. basically, and the ground forces are naturally better than everybody right. else's. Right. And you can reinforce them with orbital drop. Right. So uh, option A is to take a system from an opponent that they would also want to... Some, somewhere you'd be arguing over, get there first and lock it down right they're never now they're never getting it it's just out of the question they'll never get it mm-hmm. it's your system now if new albion and starpoint are between you and your neighbor you launch yourself at it you establish a position there and you will never lose it and that this is that's actually my of the two options i'm going to talk about for opening moves i don't like that one as much mm-hmm. as i like this one i my suggestion if you took politics is to expand very normally, yep. have a very relaxing round one, make sure you get uh, gravity drive, and prepare for round two. Uh, and what I mean by prepare for round two, I mean you've expanded, you've gotten your gravity drive, so on round two, your carriers with more ground forces than anybody's going to be able mm-hmm. to get there can hit either Mechatol or a system that will help you get a victory point. Yes. Um, whether it be cultural planets, pl- any any trait or technology specialty planets, anything that is objective-based 
find those planets that you need to get to and then be prepared to hold them so that nobody else gets those objectives and you set yourself up quickly enough to where it's not difficult for you to get there later. The hardest thing, and we'll talk more about this later, but I do want to establish it. The hardest thing for Soul is having a fleet that can keep up with other people's fleets in the mm -hmm. mid game, which is why it is more beneficial for you to get out on the board early and take the planets before someone else has been able to take them because if you get there first you will likely keep it right but if you have to take it from somebody else that is a little bit trickier for mm -hmm. you the goal is to get there before the other yeah. players and drop your ground forces yeah. it's not impossible but we're just saying optimally you would get there first yeah um and as far as units that you're gonna maybe need to build round one um I mean, I'm not going to say never build round one. I'm just, yeah. what I'm going to say is that your starting units is so dope. Your start yeah. is so great. You have better carriers and plenty of things to transport on those carriers. And that's going to be enough. If you want to extra, if you get like maybe an early trading partner or you get to diplo some stuff and have like a planet left over yeah. after teching, sure. I mean, maybe throw a cruiser down or maybe throw another carrier down with right. some more ground forces. I'm not going to recommend that you really focus on that. Because like the it, tech is more important. Yeah. The Spending Jord on a tech is the most important thing. If you can somehow rummage up more money after the fact, sure, get whatever units make sense for you. Right. But there is nothing that you need to get. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as far as, like, I mean, obviously we've, we've driven it home. Gravity Drive is the tech that you need to buy round one. If you take the tech card and get an opportunity to research two, I think what, unless you can uh, find, like, a green tech specialty planet to in order to skip, yeah. um, I'm going to recommend that you buy Gravity Drive and um, Dax of Animators yeah. because we're going to want to get those racial unit upgrades. Right. And again, to drive home, I think Gravity Drive gets recommended a lot for people. Mm -hmm. uh, before the game really came out, everyone was always coming up with like, how can I get to Mechatol turn one? And, it, and everyone was trying to make up these ideas of like, you need Gravity Drive and you need Warfare and you need all these crazy things. We're not suggesting anything crazy with Gravity Drive, but all we're suggesting is Gravity Drive is en route to other stuff that you want mm -hmm. and it's the number one thing that will help you get to planets before your opponents, and that is absolutely your priority. So it's not just make sure you have gravity drive. It's think about why you need gravity drive. It's to right. get to destinations quickly. So make sure you're timing out when you get gravity drive around how it's going to help you get to those faraway planets. As opposed to like taking warfare and trying to use that as the way to get to a system before other people, mm -hmm. um, this, you leave yourself more options just getting gravity drive right. and like hanging back and being like, okay, where am I going to strike out yes. on round two? And that's why, man, like that's why I really like saying to get politics. Like yeah. having that first pick for round two is going to be awesome yes. because you're going to get to strike You can read somewhere. the board and you're going to know exactly what you need to get where you need to get. Yeah. So um, this is going to be kind of a first first Space Cats Peace Turtles, but we're going to do like kind of a round two. Yes. Um, and we'll probably do this with some other races as well. Um, so the idea is this. You've got your gravity drive. You've expanded to like one, you know, one forward, one on the side, whatever, mm -hmm. um, what have you. And you're looking at the board. What are the really cool things you could do? Well, if you got to Mechatol before anybody else, you could park a carrier there. I wouldn't even necessarily consider bringing um, fighters. Right. As long as you've got the influence to claim it round two, you could maybe even, since you took politics and you are the speaker, you could grab Imperial if you're confident you can get there before anybody, if you can get there turn one, round two, you could mm -hmm. grab Imperial. Everybody will know what you're doing. Yeah. But if you go there, you're going to get the Mechatol point, 
for for the six influence, and then you're going to flip Imperial for another point. Yeah. And those Mechatol points for you are great because all you're going to do is stack ground forces yeah. on Mechatol. You do not need any more ships there. Yeah. You do, you don't even need to worry about having space battles. Yeah. And you know maybe later you drop a PDS to protect from bombardment. Yeah. Um. But besides that. There's really nothing else you have to do besides just stack ground forces on Mechatol. Now, alternatively, there's maybe, like, the other place you go with this is you look at somebody else's home slice, and you're like, I'm going to encroach on them in a way that they will never recover from. Right. And you pick a two-planet system, you go park a carrier there, throw ground forces on, and it's the same principle. You're stacking with orbital drop. You're not necessarily worrying about maintaining a fleet, although you could throw a space dock down and have that be a forward base of operations and also have a fleet that you're building there. I think either of those ideas are, like, I think that's, like, pivotal for Federation Assault. But the the biggest point to drive home with either of those options what seems to us the best two options neither of those are solidifying your own pie slice yeah it's get aggressive get on the board and start establishing outposts Mm -hmm. your pie slice is not as important because while you're also orbital dropping these outward posts you can always be putting more ground forces on your home system so you shouldn't really have to worry about losing your home planet Mm -hmm. that that shouldn't technically be a fear for you there might be like a couple opportunistic attacks that could happen but if you kind of work everything out right you should always have jord perfectly well protected and all these other outposts become so difficult to take that you're you're going to just start collecting points because you have the planets that you need Mm -hmm. and then i mean like your other carrier, of course, should be at home, you know, filling out your pie slice. Yes. And depending on what you're seeing, you know, if somebody looks like they're going to try and be aggressive to you, all right, orbital drop on my antler. You know what I mean? Right. Like, don't be afraid to throw command counters into ground forces. For a long time, I struggled with, like, is this a good yeah. cost? It is technically not a super great cost, right? One no, command counter for two infantry doesn't seem like that much, except for the fact that those infantry can go anywhere, and that is hugely beneficial and that's one of the reasons though that i want to push mechatol so much yes is because it's a six influence planet yes. so that that's for ground that works forces. with this yeah it's, it's like a whole little symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. you take mechatol you have a better chance of holding mechatol mechatol right. gets you more command counters so that you can then further orbital drop mechatol mm-hmm. it all works together i mean technically holding mechatol is worth two orbital drops per round if you just hold mechatol and use mechatol to get command counters to spend on orbital drop Four ground forces every round. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to say it's a requirement, but a lot of the other races that could get to Mechatol pretty easily are probably going to bring a better fleet than yes. you. Which so, is why you need to just get out and snipe it and get the ground forces You need on the to planet. prioritize getting there first. And that's why I say round two, if you're gunning for Mechatol, you might not want to take Imperial because you might need to take leadership right. and go first exactly. and get it before everybody else. Right. I had to do that in the game that I won. Yeah. I had to take leadership. Yeah. But... Um, Let's start talking about commodities and early trading. We really front-loaded this episode thus far with, like, exactly really what we want you to go And the biggest reason, though, is because that's when soul is strongest. Right. This is an early game I I think something we should start pointing out, and it's because the mid-game is where these things start to cross over, is soul is good at the same things as Arborek, but they are the opposite of Arborek. They They do not snowball. They They are already good at it. Exactly. You start good, and if anything, you sort of peter out. Yeah. Because as late game things start to happen, A, you're probably going to take a big lead. Mm-hmm. And so people are going to come after you. Your goal is to win before anyone else 
is able to really take that away from yeah him. and honestly this is kind of opposite from what we said about jolnar i can't and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but yeah. i do want to make this point now um i think soul is a race where you kind of have to accept that you're going to take an early lead yes. because i the the things that get scary to me as a soul player are all late game things right. things that aren't really going to be an issue until later and when they are i'm kind of like that's when you could get stopped yeah. so and, and honestly you have the best ability to deal like if, if it's a situation where you just fly up the score tracker and everyone's like uh okay we need to take care of the soul you are in the best position to like what are you gonna do right are you gonna take my home system because all of my ground forces revive themselves at a 60 percent chance and go back to my home system my home system is an untakeable stronghold right, right. i mean it is so hard to capture Jord. Stacking ground forces is probably the best uh, late game. I want to hang on to this game that I have a lead in yes. strategy, and Soul is the best at that. And you re you're really going to have to play into yeah. that at this point. So you don't have an Arborex slow start. You have a great start that you then need to find all of the possible ways to hold on to it. Yeah, I so, think I, I think if you don't capitalize yeah. early as Soul, like you're not going to have a yeah. good game. And that's how I messed up my first game yeah. is that I did not I was not serious enough about it from the get go. I was kind of interested in seeing what was going to happen right but. so as a trade partner you it's a little bit weird you have four commodities which is great people mm -hmm. will probably want to trade with you but if you take an early lead people won't really want to trade with you you also have a promissory note that is not it's a promissory note that doesn't work very well mm -hmm. um because for other players i wouldn't say it's worth that much and it costs you quite a lot losing one of those command counters in your strategy pool hurts and they're only going to gain two infantry and they're not going to get to stall any turns or anything like that so they don't want to give you very much for that promissory note mm. and for it to be worth it for you you kind of need to get a lot for it i mean yeah. you almost need like it needs to be at least three trade goods like you need to be able to buy a new command counter and me as a player i would never pay three trade goods to get soul's promissory note yeah it's it's kind of a it, it's not a very know. good proposition basically yeah it seems like it's hard to to set the values correct i mean like i think it would it would have to really cost the soul a little bit of something yeah so i'm thinking like maybe it's useful if you're in a situation where you can't find a trade partner right um i think though when you take mechatol in general you can kind of always find that person at the table yes. that doesn't really care that you exactly. have mechatol and might even be interested in letting you have it temporarily yeah. um and that person might be the key that yes. might be like what you're gunning for um alternatively the only other thing i could say is I think the Souls trade agreement is maybe the most um, advantageous trade agreement of anyone. You have four commodities, and you have a weird proposition of trying to trade just commodities for commodities with people. But if you can get good deals out of your trade agreement promissory note, mm -hmm. you're guaranteeing someone else to get four full commodities or four full trade goods later. So you should be able to trade your trade agreements for good favors yeah. and good anything else. Maybe trade four now for four later or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you need to do. But I think you should really consider giving your trade agreement out because it's going to be very very helpful yeah it's, a, it's going to be a sought anyone who has four commodities their trade agreements are very sought after yeah in general though i do want to say that i think it's going to be a little bit hard for you in the trade department yeah just because we are recommending that you try and take an early lead right. and generally that makes you unpopular yeah. in the trade department uh in that in that same vein too because if you're unpopular don't trade your political 
promissory note. Yeah, don't your do political, that. Uh, political no. secret. Political That's secret. what it is. So don't trade your political secret. And the reason that we're saying that is because that kind of defeats the point of having a Mechatol yes. Rex, right? Like yeah. if you can't wield your power in the agenda phase, which you might need to, yes. if you're taking an early lead, you're going to need that influence. Yes, exactly. You yeah. need to be in charge during agendas and losing your political secret will not help you in that um, way. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out to the community. If you guys can think of any specific agendas that we maybe yeah. should have mentioned here, I can't think of any that specifically hurt Seoul that bad. There's not one that's like you can't have right. that many ground forces yeah. on a thing. Which beyond be beyond or things that target Mechatol Rex, right? Right. I things mean, that target Mechatol Rex are obviously going to be a concern yeah. and you need to make sure that like you're ready for problems like that because the right. That's right. going to come up. Um, and that's why I say, yeah, uh, your political secret is worth a lot. Any race where we recommend that you take Mechatol Rex, we're also going to recommend that you not give out your political yes. secret. Um, and tech time. Let's talk tech. Yeah. yeah. After Gravity Drive, really the goal is to get to Spec Ops 2. That's Which kind is of... interesting because we're recommending you get your second blue tech, but then not recommending to sprint for carriers right you do need gravity drive very very quickly but you do not need carrier two very quickly you need gravity drive for a very specific reason which is just to get your carrier to a place that someone else can't get to yes. before you get there and start throwing your ground forces down um and then spec ops 2 is probably the most important tech absolutely you get, if you can sure. skip dax of do it and get the tech immediately um but dax of is a great tech to get anyway right, so right. don't be afraid to get it but you want to get spec ops to as fast as possible. Yeah, we having just make having ground that... forces that fight on a six right. before anybody else can do anything. I mean, most people will still be on an eight, and you yeah. will be on a six. Yeah, it's just That's crazy huge. that you're you have a numbers advantage and your combat advantage is so yes. strong. It's going right? to magnify if the, if you're dropping a ton of ground forces that all roll better. You're you're magnifying how good that is every time you add more ground forces and then after that there's kind of a lot of options that we're going to throw out kind of in like a loose order of what we think makes sense sarween tools is obviously going to be good because you're going to get uh, some free ground forces out of that i'm not necessarily going to recommend that if you go the mechatol route that you have to throw a space stock down no. on mechatol yeah. um or again you're just holding it you're just ha yeah. yeah you're just having dudes there sitting there holding the planet if you regularly orbital drop on mechatol that will be enough to keep it in my opinion unless yeah. you get you know unless you get messed up by some yeah. other like a reason to get sarween tools is if you really are getting screwed out of getting tokens you didn't get the influence right. you wanted you're not getting leadership very often okay sarween tools to produce more guys right but our point is you have lots of other ways to get those guys out there hopefully you don't need sarween tools but obviously we think sarween tools is one of the best techs in the game so of course right get it if you're looking and to you're get an infantry tech. guy so that's free infantry yes. so of course um the other thing that we're going to recommend kind of in a similar vein is hyper metabolism yep. if you're not getting enough command counters on the board you're going to need that to help you yes. get catch up on that you need a lot like we're talking about using a lot of orbital drop here. yeah so that's a lot of command counters that you got to spend um carrier two i would say get it if you need it basically yeah. if you see a need to transport eight like if you need to maybe rescue a group right. from a planet that you're giving up on um this, I think this is the part where we start talking about what we were wrong about early on. Mm -hmm. We made a big deal about of how much capacity Soul can have. Right. And what we realized is the game you focused on that capacity 
things kind of blew up for you. There were a couple mistakes, but in general, it wasn't saving you from anything. Right, right. And the game where you focused on the infantry, that's where you ran away with, with a really solid right. victory. And so having that carrier upgrade only works if you've got the good ground forces to back it up. Mm -hmm. And it only matters if you're needing to transport a lot of ground forces. But if you're spending most of your time orbital dropping, you're not even actually moving ground forces right, that often. Right. You're, you don't have any use of carrying ground forces around so you don't need the capacity upgrade obviously it's good to get sustained damage on carriers and that's nice and if you do need any movement like hunter was saying if you're ne needing to plug some holes or like oh this this planet isn't good for me anymore i need to move that outpost to a new planet okay having having the the upgraded carriers is going to help with that or if you even just see a spot where if you upgraded your carrier it could get to a place that is undefended and right. like drop some ground yeah i mean gravity there. drive plus carrier two that's a three movement carrier those yeah. guys are going to get to some crazy places so if you if you have a game where you need to start pulling off wacky maneuvers mm -hmm. carrier two is going to be great i can think of a scenario where like you actually lost like a really big right. fight and so now because of spec ops you have a bunch of ground forces sitting on your home system and it's like maybe overkill and you're yeah. like i need to get some of these out to someplace where they can really be useful right um next tech we want to talk about is fighter two you can obviously play soul as a very fighter swarm yeah. uh type that's that's where that capacity thing could be helpful um more than anything we wanted to point out fighter two because you technically start with both the prerequisites so fighter two could be your first tech but i think we list it here because we don't think it should be your first tech no, under no. no circumstances should should you get fighter two first because you're not going to make enough use out of it but if you're having a kind of game where you do need to get your carriers out there and start making a mess of space battles that's certainly a way to help yourself out if anything i would say our advice generally with soul is you're not really focusing on the space battles right and so i think getting advanced fighters and upgrading your carriers is the best way to turn that around mm -hmm. um rather than trying to upgrade other ships and buy more expensive ships just invest in fighters and a couple sustained damage carriers and that should be enough to take out whatever has been giving you issues in space battles mm -hmm. another one we want to talk about as a possibility dreadnought 2 um you're not that far away from it yeah. if you follow like what we're saying it would just be gravity drive and then if you end up getting star wing tools then you could go for dreadnought 2 uh the thing about that is as soul i'm i'm kind of gonna think that at most you're gonna have like one fleet we're yeah. spending so much emphasis on like ground forces and um carriers and these little like kind of drops yeah basically that i think like with so much focus on that you're probably gonna really only be able to afford one like competitive fleet. right but you might need that that might be the way the game is going for yeah. you i mean i got through a game with basically like a pretty small fleet like yeah. not much of a fleet whatsoever i was just really managing my ground forces in such a way to where like just didn't really matter yeah. that i didn't have much of a fleet yeah and i'll say this much too a lot of times people will go for like dreadnoughts or whatever because um they're already going down a path and thinking of thinking objectives at this point if you've done the rest of our path you kind of already have all of these different objectives covered you mm -hmm. have two green two blue so that's Two right. in two colors. You've got two you have, unit upgrades. You have Spec Ops and you have Advanced Carrier 2. So that's two unit upgrades. Mm -hmm. You have both of your faction techs. So that's that secret objective. Mm -hmm. There's not really a objective reason to get any other tech mm -hmm. until we get to stage two stuff. And then, well, that's a whole other 
ball game. But I, I just don't think Dreadnought two Dreadnought two just feels like a win more to me. If you're yeah. if you're at the point where you can afford to start building Dreadnoughts and get that tech, you're probably already doing great. Yeah. But I, I think it detracts from what your primary goals are. The last tech, just to point out, is you're already deep into blue. Getting fleet logistics might help because you can take systems and then immediately orbital drop. That yes. you can get a lot of use out of fleet logistics, even just to orbital drop twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really worth noting that getting into the end game, fleet logistics could really save your hide a yeah, lot. Yeah, it. I mean, it definitely helped me. I. I got it, and I really only needed it in one situation, sure. but I would not have been able to like really feel secure in that situation without it. Um, one more I want to mention that I, that I actually forgot to write on the outline that we were using. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention transit diodes. Sure. Transit diodes is like super yeah. useful. The, useful the hardest for part about transit diodes is it's really far down yellow, and you mm-hmm. haven't been going down yellow. You're not near it, but... If, if you, you can get a yellow tech specialty, jump down to transit diodes. Yeah, skip Graviton, go for... Yeah, go, yeah, go for transit diodes, because that's going to be super useful for you. Um, All right, that's enough about tech. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Oh, God, yeah, a All lot. Right. Um, so, should you be running out of command counters? We've sort of already yeah. answered this. Um, <laughs> don't. Just don't. Yeah. Just really try you not need to. to focus on command counters yeah. um you have a really important game and relationship with command counters and it's nice that you get plus one but plus one just isn't even enough right. you need a lot so you need to take leadership often you need those influence pl- planets so that even if you're not getting leadership you need the planets that allow you to get command counters spend mechatol on command counters i actually want to stress though trying to Get, accomplish this goal without taking leadership. Yes. I mean, I, I when I played them, I took leadership more for the number one initiative because I needed to do something before right. someone else could. In my opinion, it's kind of a waste for them because they're, if you're playing right, you should have enough influence to survive. Yes. But you just got to make, like I'm just saying, like if you do fall behind anyway, it could be command counters. And in which case, you're going to have to take leadership. The leadership, yeah. I feel like, is the oh, I messed up pick versus like what you should be gunning for. Hopefully you will have enough influence uh, that you will be able to get enough command counters to do this. All that being said, if you are having trouble with command counters, there are lots of ways to deal with that. Like we said, you're close to hypermetabolism. You can do the Mechatol path if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. You can specifically seek out influence-rich planets and establish a new outpost there. Like if you just like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to take Raron because it's a 0-3 and it's time to get more of those types of planets yeah. like you can make those sorts of decisions and a lot of times people won't heavily defend zero threes zero mm-hmm. twos so you can drop some dude nukes down <laughs> and keep the planet and that there's some more influence for you per round you, you can think about those sorts of objectives because it's going to help you in the long run and kind of just to sum up like what we're building towards we've kind of already established like mechatol rex is a very good option rooting into your neighboring uh home slices is good um, there's a lot the objectives that you're really going to want to gun for we've we've established is like any control planet objectives yes. tech objectives are pretty easy for you um, the objectives i would say that aren't so great for you are space stuff right. like space combat victory exactly. stuff is going to be a little bit hard for you yeah, um, any secret objective that's just like blockaded space dock or win a space combat like those become very tricky for you so what is what is always best to be doing and th- this is a weird suggestion but like Know what the objectives are and try to just always have those already within planets you control. Like I, I'm just going to make a point to go claim a fourth planet with a trait that I've already yeah. got. Just yeah. have it so that when that comes up, you don't need to go seek it out. Because again, you are not as good at seeking out new planets to take. You are best at getting them and holding them. So 
Go take planets that add up to eight resources. Go take planets that add up to eight influence. Go take tech specialty planets. Take planets that have common traits with each other. Hold ground that will hopefully get you objectives as yeah. opposed to, oh, the, the cultural planet thing finally came out. I got to go for that. But now everyone's fleets are too big for me to fight through. Yeah. That's what's always going to run into your problem. So your, your biggest goal is very quickly establishing lots of planets early. Make sure you have four of the same type. Yeah. And you're going to be able to do to accomplish that goal by getting there before your neighbor, exactly. basically. You are racing everybody else to planets so that you hold them so that when the objectives come out, nobody else gets to take them from you. I mean, I feel fairly certain that if you get there first, you're going to have more ground for yeah. versus and they're going to be better. And there's so, just no getting around that. Right. Basically. And so the, the only thing really to note then is within the mid-game... What can go wrong for you is you can pick the wrong planet. Yeah. Th those objectives never came up. You're holding on to three tech specialty planets and the objective never comes up and the tech specialties aren't doing anything for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's time to move that outpost. It's time to move those ground forces. And what's nice is you have options to do that. Again, we're not suggesting definitely get carrier two, but carrier two is going to help you reposition those. And that's where your flagship comes into play. I'm thinking of the flagship in a very specific case though. Like the flagship is something I feel that you build if like, let's say you were stacking on Mechatol, you had a lot, yeah. but like they brought enough bombardment, mm -hmm. your PDS didn't work because it was the Barony flagship, right. or like they brought two war suns and that was enough. Yeah. If you lost for some reason, all like 60% of those ground forces that you committed are statistically going to be now on your home system. Right. Now, maybe, maybe your home system is in trouble too, but if it isn't, I feel like the most logical time to build the flagship is when you've had a big loss, you build it, now all of a sudden you can move that gigantic yep. mound of ground forces. You can move them out, you can put them somewhere where they can be helpful, where they yes. can actually do yeah. things. And that's the other reason your upgraded carriers will be useful is the flagship's not going to be enough, but if you've got a flagship and two carriers, that's six total hits on the fleet, plus any fighters you might decide to add, right. and that's 28 capacity. Mm-hmm between two carriers and a flagship. Obviously, that is more than you will probably need. You're right. not, I doubt you'll have that much. But you can hold, you know, 18 ground forces and then the rest fighters and go take whatever planet you want. You know, really the mistake I made the first time I played Soul was that I was so excited about having high capacity yeah. that I just wasn't, like, making an efficient use of that. So right. think of capacity as something to manage efficiently. Don't get too excited about, like, oh, I want to have... Like, if you... If you just don't have a reason to have capacity, it's almost like Soul is too good at capacity yes. to the point where it's like they, they outclass people already from right. the get-go. So like as long as you're doing better than everybody else yep. at being able to transport more ground forces to something than someone else could, right. that's all you need to do. Yep. And don't don't get too carried away with Starting that. with six capacity on your carriers is enough. Yeah. It is enough because that's at the very least you take four ground forces and you still have room for two extra fighters to stave off any attacks so for early game expansion like that's technically all you need to probably beat anybody else at taking planets mm -hmm. so upgrading your capacity is only a if it becomes a problem for yeah. you type yeah. of situation it is the fallback yes is to be like all right we've got to focus on capacity because you know you probably don't have like a really great fleet so if you do have to go into some sort of like really big fleet situation it needs to be a fighter screen yeah. fleet yeah. essentially like a fighter screen fleet with one or two dreadnoughts um, that, that'll be a solid fleet for you just because you can cheaply build yes. a bunch of fighters and load them onto your high-capacity stuff. Yeah. So Oof. that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think it all builds to a pretty like straight-laced 
scenario. The, I guess the biggest problem with that then is um, let's talk about counters. And the first thing I want to say is I would say the number one counter to you is not a racial counter, but it's that your strategy in the way we've outlined it, at least, it's pretty one note. Yeah. And so from a metagame perspective, if people can figure out how to target that strategy and beat it, I don't think you have too many other things to fall back on to get your points. Mm -hmm. So if you can get stopped, it's going to become a problem. So who would you say is good at doing that to us? Who can counter soul? And I mean that in the strictest terms. Who is actually like getting a leg up on soul? Not just like, oh, this is like a weird interaction and a weird relationship. Anybody with bombardment yes. has more options against soul than really anybody else. Um, my my first thought really is um, the barony. I know a lot of people when I say bombardment probably think L1Z1 right, right away. And th that is true. And we are going to talk about that. But I want to talk about barony first. And the reason I want to talk about it is that barony can, with their flagship and lots of dreadnoughts, which you, they, well, they're they, gonna they have build that. that. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's something that they're going to have. I don't know what you do. I yeah. got to be honest. I'm they're, not they're, really to sure. To be clear for maybe newer uh, players, the barony's flagship allows other players' units, uh, they, they lose planetary shield, which is what would prevent normal dreadnoughts from bombarding a planet. If if, if you own Mechatol Rex's soul and you put one PDS down, no dreadnoughts can bombard it. Yeah, good Unless luck. Barony brings their flagship. And if right. Barony brings their flagship and three dreadnoughts, that's a lot of bombardment that is going to hurt your planet. I think at that point you just have to hope that Barony can't bring enough ground forces. Yes. But you're going to have to accept like a lot of losses, yes. basically. Yeah. And so... L1Z1 is also worth mentioning, yes. but there is there's a counter to their counter, which is drop a PDS. Right, because their dreadnoughts will not go through planetary no, shield. No, they, they, they will not. But you know what does go through planetary shield? War Suns. War Suns, which makes Muat an interesting mm -hmm. issue you're going to have too, because bringing one War Sun that fires three or four bombardment shots with plasma scoring, rolling on a three, that's devastating. If Muat decides to put two War Suns out there and really just gun for something there's actually a pretty good chance you're going to lose that plane. Yeah, and that's that those are definitely problems. Like yeah. that's that's tough stuff. Um, the only other thing I think I would want to mention as far as counters or just stuff you want to look out for yeah. uh, are any races that can get to Mechatol before you yeah. that might be a, like a problem. I'm thinking Ghost of Krius, actually, yes, that's because they be could scary. gun for Mechatol um, and probably get there before you, which is why, going all the way back to the beginning, Yes, I love the politics pick, basically. Right. That's right. what I love about it. Because you're going to assure that you're going to get places Right. Fast. So if you if you are playing in a game with Ghost of Krius and you are afraid that they're going to go for an early Mechatol, take leadership, round two, get there before they, yep. just because of initiative order. Yes, yeah. Who else might we have some problems with? Uh, these are not necessarily counters, but uh, it would be stupid of us not to mention the Yin Brotherhood. Yin Brotherhood get to convert ground forces over to their side. Our hope, though, with Soul is that you've put so many ground forces down that them converting one is not enough. The argument is always like, oh, with Yin, if they only have three ground forces on a planet, converting one of those to your side is going to always give you a pretty significant upper hand. But we're talking about having like six plus ground forces yeah, yeah. on the planets you're trying to hold. And so it would require a lot for Yin to bring. And yours are fighting better than theirs. Yours are on a six, theirs are on an eight. So yin can do some stuff, but it's probably not enough. Well, I just I I think about the yin thing. What I just want to say is that I want to I want to see it. I, I've yet to actually yeah. see it in a fight. I've seen I mean we've seen soul and yin in a game together but no, before, but we never saw the interaction. So yeah. like it could be we're I, we're holding out on that one, but theoretically it, it doesn't seem like enough. 
Um, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning as like just like kind of an honorable mention of things to look out is uh, Arborek. Yeah. Um, that's another very ground force heavy race. Um, they uh, like we've mentioned several times before they're opposite of you like yeah. they snowball versus your like early get in quick kind of thing. Right. But they're gonna have a lot of ground forces. Yes. Um, if they can get their capacity up to a point they could become a problem for you if you do the math correctly right. you know what i mean yeah. you gotta you really the math you really want to do when you're playing assault is how many ground forces can that guy get to me and how many bombardments can he do right and you, as long as that math is favorable you should be fine most yeah. of the time um the other thing you want to look out for is you do not want necro to get spec ops too yeah necro advanced like we talked about in our necro episode they want ground forces they want their flagship and they want to park it somewhere that's really important God, that... and if you if they get spec ops 2 from you that's going to be really terrible that's uh, the, pro- the problem is you still need to build spec ops 2 we do not tell we're not telling you not no, to get spec no. ops 2 if necro is in the game but i think if necro is in your game and you are federation of soul you need to make it very apparent to the rest of the board that you have no interest in letting necro get spec ops 2 but you will need help because if i'm necro i will gun for soul to try to get spec ops too i will do everything in my power to get spec ops if too. you're playing with a necro that knows how to play and that is going to lean into that flagship that we described with the ground forces that become uh non-fighter ships yeah that's so crazy uh still crazy still still crazy right um, if if you're playing with somebody that knows that honestly in a meta sense they're your enemy already yes. they're kind of yeah. already they don't strictly counter you Mm-hmm. But you two are gonna clash, right. and it's gonna be a problem. All right. Well, let's talk about who. Let's go the other direction. Who do we? Yeah. Who are we? A thorn in the side. I think there's a problem with soul, and that's your ability is defensive. Yeah. Your ability is you have to get aggressive to take advantage of defensive capabilities, mm-hmm. which means you're not getting the upper hand on anybody. Except for I will say you will probably get to Mechatar X fast. You will hold it better than anybody else, which means the Winu is not a big fan Sorry. of Federation of Soul being in the game. Sorry, right, you, you are better at Winu's strategy than the Winu is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the Winu advantage of I've it's just always so puzzling to me of that be, like that getting that free space stock being like such a boon because yeah. it's like yeah you, you can't even free, use it. You got a free space stock on like one of the worst planets to produce or the yeah. worst planet to yes. produce from. Yes. So like it's very like it, it's nice. It's better than I mean it's certainly harder for everybody else when right. they have to put a space stock there but to be honest i feel like orbital drop is better is better yeah. than even if you built a space stock straight up right like it's just an easier way to reinforce my i don't need to activate the system i'm just yeah. dropping dudes yeah there. i'm just dropping the guys there uh, another another mention of who this is this is like a soft counter i don't want to put this in the yeah. like we're 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 kicking these guys' butts but the clan of sar does not like having soul as their neighbor your pie slice is probably going to be well defended fairly quickly maybe the maybe like a round one play of diving through your pie slice while the soul player is gunning for other objectives but for the most part sar is going to look at a federation of souls area and go not worth my time Mm -hmm. so it's not really a counter because you're not specifically doing anything to sar but it's nice to know that you can probably rest assured Sar isn't necessarily going to mess with you, and they're you're going to push them in a different you're direction. You're troublesome. Yeah, for, your pie slice not is worth the effort for Sar. Yeah. yeah, they're going to pick their other neighbor, right? Basically, um, I, actually, I want to do a little bit of pre errata okay. uh, because we, we've already moved on from this point, but I do want to make this point because I just heard someone on the internet typing it like, in, my, <laughs> in my head. Uh, Sardak Nor is also somebody that you should watch out for because they have an upgraded dreadnought that gets pretty good bombardment yeah. they actually start with two dice that roll four yeah so they so they so sardak nor start with better bombardment 
and they also have pretty good ground forces because of their plus one. Yeah, their they, ground forces technically match you. They technically tie you. So honestly, though, I like I'm not. I don't feel super terrified of them, mostly because. They have such a bad start. Right. You're beating them to anything. Maybe they can take some stuff from you, but it's going to cost... It's going to be a significant effort for them to do that, whereas they probably have other opponents they that are more worth their time of going through. Yeah. But they do have an upper hand on you with that bombardment. I just thought I, I should mention that you should look out for them. That is, That part is not lost on me. I just don't feel as scared of them even though it's weird like they have i just feel like by the time i'd have to fight their ground forces i probably already have spec ops 2 and once i have spec ops 2 i'm not scared of that like yeah well but if they get if they upgrade their ground for i don't know there's a lot of variables there there is a sardak player that can hurt you very badly right but whether or not sardak nor makes the point to become that sardak player that's another conversation sardak has a worse start than you but also like a less myopic strategy like they don't have incentive for targeting you they have incentive to like build their abilities in other directions they're kind of like once we do their episode i feel like it's gonna be a little bit like arborec where the first round it's gonna be like we really gotta talk about the things you gotta fix right right um so that's that's all our counters that's yeah. We kind of have a good idea. So so just to kind of drive the nail home, what what is our superpower? What what are we always considering is our best ability as the Federation of Soul? You're just like the king of the hill. Like yeah. that's the thing is you're nobody can control planets far away from their home system as well as you can. Yes. Arborek can build up and like snowball towards something yeah. more efficiently than you can. But theoretically, you're going to win before they even do that. You are like fast and hold. Yes. You sneak in, you hold. You sneak in, you hold. Best infantry. So where are you looking for that victory then? In, in that sneaking in and holding things. Let's, let's take this time to say, what did we say? In our tier list. How, how do we the- say... In our theoretical, in our theoretical, tier, theoretical list, tier list, we said they won by having more command counters than everybody. I don't and know better that, capacity. And better capacity. And that was backwards. We yes. got it. We did it opposite. They win because they can hold objective planets. Mm-hmm. They can take planets and hold them for VPs. And then can survive the onslaught of the rest of the board. Right, right. Like, Everyone else comes at you and you just buckle in and you have enough ground forces and they try and try and try but all they're able to do is take out your space and they never get your planets and so they can't take your home planet from you which means you can still claim objectives you're holding all these other planets you get the objective because you got there first and you can't get it taken from you mm-hmm. i held the, the game we played i held mechatol rex all game and i did not own the space the yes. space did not belong to me right but the planet did, and that's and all that no matters. one was ever able to bring enough to take it from it. Right. So there we go. There it that's, is. Oof. Yeehaw. It's pretty specific. I think we're going to get a lot of feedback of people who just had other successful approaches to Soul, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say up front, like, those are probably p- perfectly valid. Right. I think what we're saying about our approach to Soul is this is probably, in our opinion, the most consistent. Right. There are lots of other things. There are plays you can make using lots of capacity and lots of fighters and doing, like, huge, crazy maneuvers, but consistently focusing on getting ground forces down on planets that will probably win you more games than any other sort of shenanigans. Yeah, I think this the strategy that we're detailing just emphasizes what Soul is best at yes. better than anybody. Right. But this is not the only way to yeah. play Soul. I just know in in my games of Soul, I'm going to play this way. Yes. And and the one thing I want to I feel like this leaned a little more Mechatol Rex than I wanted it yeah. to. That's mostly because that was the strategy that I went with, right. but I did not have to play that way. Right. I could have gone more planet control, more taking right. from my neighbor, and that would have been 
just take as, from both your neighbors. Yeah, just take, establish a wide pie slice mm-hmm. and hold that. If you if you start with a pie slice that has a lot of planets in it, you might be able to just take and hold that pie slice all game and not have to go lash out at other objectives right. because you might have enough systems with enough planets with enough traits to just claim every objective you possibly need to yeah. hold all yeah. game. That's what you're looking for though. Is look for the planets that the game most requires you to hold to win. Right. And take them and don't lose them. Yes. Hold them hold them through the mid game. Right. Yeah. And that's it. That is it. Soul bowl whole null. <laughs> the bowl whole soul goal. That's the goal. The, the dude movers. The stinky and the bandit. The stinky and the stinky mongoose. And the mongoose. Stinky and the mongoose coming up in the morning. Have a cup of joe. Look at what we got. It's bro time. Drink your Joe. Sit down with us. We'll see you We're next ki- week. We'll see you next week. We're going to kick it on over to our Arata brothers. We'll oh. see you next time. Oh, it's weird. We've already recorded Arata, and we didn't do a bit at the beginning that really like reflects on the bit that we've set up right now, so there's going to be a continuity error. Please don't Arata us with the continuity joke error that is about to be made. So the, what you're about to hear isn't even related to what we just did now, and now it's, oh, no. Oh, no. Hey everybody, welcome nope, to Sp- Nope, nope. Well, that's not how we do that. You don't do that. That's not what you do. Uh-oh. You do the you get to do the, all the other stuff and this is the one little thing that you've relegated to me. Okay? okay. All right. Welcome sorry. to the Arada. I'm Hunter Donaldson, your Arada host. <laughs> okay. I'm Matt Martin's your Arada liaison. Yeah. No, I'm Hunter Donaldson, king of mistakes. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we've got some errata we want to get to. Uh, so w- this is from the Jolnar episode, which was two weeks back yes. now. Um, and the first one is from Blizzard Maine from Reddit Twilight Imperium. And he kind of, uh, his submission is basically kind of saying that uh, he was in a game where Jolnar got ahead early because there were a lot of early tech objectives. And Jolnar went for Mechatol. And got ahead, which is something we said, uh-oh, be careful yeah. about doing. And eventually, um, he got hurt very much by a neighbor who was Sardak yeah. Noor. The problem was he had, early on, established a good relationship with Sardak Noor and thought he could rely on it. But the second he took a big lead, what incentive does Sardak Noor have to continue that relationship when Jolnar's going to win the game? And yeah, it's just a really good point of driving home the point. That they, he ended his point saying, slow and steady is where you want to go with Jolnar because every time you take a lead, you're going to get backstabbed. Yeah. it's, it's and, and your opponents are going to be good at backstabbing you. Right, yeah, because you it's, it mostly comes down, I think, to the infantry thing. Yes. You can never really get over that, yeah. you know? Like, everybody's going to have better infantry right. than you. Um, so we've got another one from... Actually, you do this one. Okay. I'm going to allow you to okay, do this you, one. Thank yes. you, King Host. Yes. Uh, Grutar from Board Game Geek said, Dreadnoughts are your more economical options than war sons i think if you can afford to go for war sons sure get them but otherwise dreadnoughts are the more conservative but still effective way to go and this is a really good point we were trying to like make a case for war sons more than anything because we know it's an option um jolnar is one of the best races to go for war sun but this kind of points out really just the problem with war sons uh and robofish followed up on this point saying with war sons no longer able to, uh, to be immune to direct hit dreadnoughts have considerably more ability to soak damage especially through PDS fire. I mean, the fact that one War Sun is worth the same cost as three Dreadnoughts, which yeah. can be six hits, and if they're upgraded, those six hits can't be touched by direct hit. I mean, it is significantly more defensive than any War Sun is going to be. So War Sun is like a big win more card, but I don't think it's worth rushing for. You're better off rushing 
for Dreadnought too. It's just a better unit defensively. Yeah. And yeah, yeah we, di- we didn't really, I think we were more just like, we wrote down the War Sun thing and as we were recording, we kept being like, man, we keep bringing up this War Sun thing and like, I don't feel especially confident in it, but we should bring it up anyways. And I'm glad to see a counterpoint of like, no, 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 Dreadnoughts are almost definitely the way to go. Yeah, it's definitely like, it's the more uh, conservative play. It makes more sense. It's just, honestly, I think at a certain point we were just like, we just want to make a case for a race to go after war yeah. sons because we haven't really made that case And we yet. probably never will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a dubious proposition every time. The next one is from DS Jensen. Ooh, DS Jensen 19 from Board Game Geek. Um, he mentions uh, that he saw a Jolnar player use the promissory note to buy uh, favors and resources for fleets um, because no one wanted to pass up uh, any late game tech yeah. they might get through the promissory note. And um, someone actually shut down this play by like taking the research agreement and then holding on to it. Yeah. Um, so they, they negotiated a trade as if, like, and Jolnar had this assumption, like, oh, I'm probably going to just get right. to keep doing this. And then the person just got the card and just kept it because they yeah. did not want to spread tech all over the yeah. table. I think this is an idea we sort of teased but never went in depth on. But the power of this promissory note is so good that I do think the metagame should shift around it to where some player should bite the bullet and get this thing off the board. Mm-hmm. If, especially if you're a race where other people teching faster than you is going to be a problem. Um, th- there's a lot of races where you would want to stymie more people getting all these different tech. Um, I-, I don't know if maybe Sardak Nor is an okay example, but more than anything, it's just get that, get that research agreement and hold on to it until like the best possible tech you could imagine researching comes up and don't get anything sooner make them bait you into yeah. it basically just hold on to it and be like okay jolnar i'm i'm not gonna let you just like work this as much right. as possible until you give me like the exact thing that i want right basically yeah we kind of made the opposite point from a jolnar's perspective we were saying you should you should try to entice people to get these texts and so kind of the counterpoint to that is what we're making now it's just like as a player don't let Jolnar get away with this yeah uh, it's, a, it's a good counterpoint and it's something that the board can deal with this is very similar to like the Hakan point we've made in the past about like you need to offer up bad trades for Hakan because otherwise they'll get too far ahead if you're constantly paying Jolnar for this promissory note and every player is paying for it just to get one tech they're gonna get much further ahead than everybody else is so to make maybe even another counterpoint to that is stick with the Hakan strategy as well. And as Jolnar, only ever offer promissory your promissory note to the one person who yeah. seems to be willing to do it. Yeah, Find the weak player and make them the your your sub race. Oh, that's oh that's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Don't pro, don't don't send that thing out to everybody on the board. Don't don't spread the wealth because then it'll mm-hmm. get used against you too hard. But if you make one player, you know you can keep advantages on. Your person who always gets research. Right, right. Your neighbor is Sardak Nor. Yeah. And you're just saying, like, listen, like, you're going to be behind in tech. I'm going to have this relationship. And and make that conversation happen early. Say, I will, for the entire game, only give this to you if Mm -hmm. you, you know, promise to kind of keep that relationship amicable. Right. Cool, cool. And also, I want to do a quick errata to that errata. Um, (laughs) I misread what he was saying. He was not actually saying that someone did that in the game. He's saying he saw that happen and thought, oh, somebody should do that. that. But but nobody did do it. So that's actually kind of all the errata we had for Jolnar. The problem with Jolnar is we had this huge open-ended episode that's just like... you can do anything. Right, and yeah, so we the didn't... tech part of the episode was like, do yeah, all of it right. if you want. So there's, there wasn't that much to errata, so no big deal. So we do want to attach, um, I won't really call it errata, 
for our This Imperium Life episode. But we do have um, sort of a, a new segment I think we want to start trying to introduce on to the show. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got two ways to do this. So basically, from the Twilight Imperium subreddit, jgnyoh5871. I have no idea how I could possibly pronounce that name. But a string of letters and numbers um, asked us if we could start doing maybe a This Imperium Life Story at the end of each episode or something. And we talked about that. And we don't want to do full stories at the end of episodes. And not everybody loves This Imperium Life, so we don't want to force that on people. Mm. But what we do want is maybe we can start doing a thing that we want to call Play of the Week. Yeah. And this is like a micro version of a This Imperium Life Story. It would not be a whole big thing for you to, to kind of dictate to us. But if you can tell us the like one cool moment that happened, and I mean literally like a two sentence awesome moment, we would like to start featuring people's plays just to get people more and more ideas of like the different crazy kinds of interactions. Right, right. And also just like when you pull off something that you felt like is really slick in a game for you to be like, I want I gotta to share this yes. and this is where it would go. Yes. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. I, I think it should just be like a really short thing too. Like, don't try and describe. Give us no. the scope of the entire game. If anything, game. think about it. Probably send it to us on Twitter mm-hmm. because that's going to be the best way for us to like take it in. Is like fit it within a single tweet, and that's enough. That's as much as we need right. from what we're looking for. So, an example of that is we sort of have a Ooh, half. No, our first play of the week. Our first play of the week, which is also technically a pseudo errata because it's Robofish extending a little bit of his story. We had a story last week about Robofish playing as a Sarl and ending up with 20 action cards in his hand. And there's a really fun detail he left out of that game, but is kind of a great play of the yeah, week honestly, that we want to yeah, feature. Just as a singular moment, it's such a good, yeah. it's such a good candidate for this type of bit um and okay so here we go um he was playing isarl and there was an agenda that came up that was going to limit everyone else to three action cards he's isarl so that's great so what he did was he put his imperial rider on the other way so essentially he made a situation where the players had to pick between all sticking to three action cards and him having 20 Mm -hmm. or giving him a victory point that is a great play. And they ended up not giving him a victory point, which means that play that he did where he had a million action cards coming down, that was up against players who only had maximum three action cards in their hand yeah. because the Sarls can't be limited by any game effects. Right, right. So just like, oh my gosh, what a massive, huge, terrifying thing that happened to the board. And good play. Good yeah. play, Robofish. Super, super good play, Robofish. I'm glad Robofish being our inaugural play of the week <laughs> make, feels very apt. Feels good. Yeah. Feels good. So that's it. We're going to wrap up the show there after our very first play of the week. And uh, we'll, we'll do our normal rundown of you should uh, add us on Twitter at SpaceCatsPod. Um, tweet at us about your games. Tweet at us our, your, your plays of the week. Uh, maybe we'll come up with a hashtag later if we start getting a bunch. I don't know. Uh, the biggest thing is we need more ways to organize all of these things we get, which is another point to bring up, actually, before the rundown. This future, this Imperium life stories, we don't know when our next episode's going to be, but we want to start doing them fairly regularly. But... Um, I missed a few this week, this this past time, that were really great stories, but I've been running into this problem of you can message me directly on Reddit, you can post them on a Reddit thread, you can send them to me on BoardGameGeek, you can tweet them at us, you can email... There's just too many ways for me to receive all this information to where a lot are getting lost in the mm-hmm. millions of file Especially folders. Facebook. People have submitted them through Facebook. Yeah. That was very hard to track yes. this down. Um, and so I think f- going forward... 
all this Imperium life stories need to be emailed to us. It's kind of the best format anyways, because a lot of them are, are slightly longer stories, and so it's the easiest way for us to digest them, and it's the easiest way for me to organize them. So if you have a This Imperium Life submission forever going forward, hit us up at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. Include a subject line that just says TIL or This Imperium Life submission, anything like that. Um, and then for the rest of the rundown, add us on Facebook. <laughs> I say it wrong every time. You know what? I'm going to keep this one in as a as a punishment for myself. Every time I say Facebook, I have to edit out two or three attempts of me saying Faceback. So us add us on Faceback, face Space Parts, Peace Purtles. Face Parts, Peace And uh, you can also... We post, or Matt posts, on uh, Reddit Twilight Imperium every week. Yep, I also do it on our Board Game Geek Guild, which you can join. You can find the leak on the Reddit thread. You can also just post for us... Uh, I hate how Board Game Geek works and how people are supposed to find that. It's it's a never-ending curse on my existence. Here's something we never talk about. You can follow us on the Podbean app. Uh, yeah, I don't know true. what that does. A lot of people do that, but <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the many apps you can catch us on. Uh, Podbean is, our, is where we actually host it through, so it's probably the best way to get it, but obviously iTunes and everything else. Speaking of iTunes, we would love iTunes rankings, uh, iTunes and ratings. And ratings. Apple Podcasts <laughs> is like the number one pay- way people consume podcasts and mm-hmm. so their rating system is actually very very important for the visibility of a podcast so we would really just be super appreciative if you gave us a rating uh, preferably a high rating but any rating will do i suppose <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's the point you should be making oh, okay but, uh, anyways um, give us a rating on, and, a, and a review on itunes um okay so here's one like little random thing here at the end if you happen to live in san francisco california I am going to be there doing stand-up comedy um, early March. Uh, so I have kind of just like a, a bunch of shows that I'm going to throw at you real quick. I am going to be um, at Milk Bar on, on um, March 1st doing a set. Uh, the show starts at 8 o'clock. Um, on Friday, March 2nd, I will be at the Mutiny Radio. Um, I'm, I'm doing the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. If you're familiar with Mutiny Radio, they do a lot of like podcasting um they're like they're just sort of like a small like indie cool diy uh radio um spot and i'm gonna be doing two shows there on friday march 2nd one at eight o'clock called pamtastic's fun thingy i forget um (laughs) and then another one at 10 p.m called uh rad real oh well just can't read the it's just called rad don't worry about it um and then on uh saturday march 3rd this is just great this is good uh, audio right here um i'm gonna be at bar fluxus at 8 p.m um and then back at mutiny for 10 at 10 p.m for a show called underwear only where i'm going to be wearing only my underwear and performing yeah so you can come to that um and then on sunday march 4th i'm gonna be back at mutiny at 6 p.m to host a show and then at 7 p.m i will be uh, doing a show called Neck of the Woods, and I don't even know exactly where that is, so you would have to look up what that show is. It's in is. your neck of the woods, I'll tell you that much. So that was all really good audio, but if you're interested <laughs> in all in coming out to see me, I'm sure we'll be posting uh, my dates yeah. uh, on the Facebook somewhere, and it would just really, really, it would be super cool if a Space Cats fan were to come out, see me do comedy, and just come up and let me know, like, hey, I, you know, and also, this is probably more important, and you're probably more interested in this idea, um, I don't have any plans for the day when I'm in San Francisco. <laughs> so if anybody would like to play Twilight Imperium yeah. with me, let me know. Hit me up. And if we can make it happen like during the day, I will be there basically from February 28th to like March 5th or 6th. Cool. So hit me up. Let me know. 
Yeah, and that's gonna do it for us. So thanks so much for tuning in. We'll we'll catch you all next week. What's the what's what the goofy happened? bit that what we do? What happens at the end? Well, what is, is there we, something? I'm so nervous now. So oh my god, I've got myself it. really nervous about the final bit. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't know what Hunter, it could be. It's okay. I'm you're, like really Hunter. Out you now. need to focus on your own comedy. You don't need to be doing I'm like, bits for all. Yeah, I know, dude. I'm like, I'm show. trying to do so much comedy these days, and it's like freaking me out, <sighs> oh, man. Nervous. I'm like freaking out because it's like it's so you just got to be like funny all the time, and like sometimes I just want to get up there and like start doing space cats uh, <laughs> on stage in front of people. And I'll like the other day I got on, I got on, I, I got on stage at an open mic at like 11:45, and I was just like. I can. Do, I gotta what talk you, about the barony. Yeah, listen, guys. Like, I really gotta talk about like the Jolnar Arada that we're trying to get done, and and everybody was like, "What are you talking about?" And it wasn't funny, and they got really upset. Like, a lot of people came up to me and were like, "I don't know what you were talking about," and it made me really mad. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>